That's why my passion for the church to be diverse is so great. Because I experienced, I got a taste of it in the military. Not that it was perfect, but it was sure different than what I grew up with. Invite people or go over to people that don't look like you on a regular basis. Get to know them. Hello everyone, I hope you are doing well. This is uh, your host, Jason Dennis. We are now in the month of uh, April and uh, Easter just around the corner, a few days away. Um, a great celebration. Our guest on this uh, episode, number 60 of the podcast, uh, Pastor Derek Shields, uh, calls this the uh, the Super Bowl for churches, uh, the most attended day of the year at churches. Easter, where we uh, celebrate, uh, there's the crucifixion of Jesus, died and buried and he rises again three days later uh easter you know spring uh he springs up and uh, jesus is alive and uh, we are so happy that that is the foundation of my faith as as a christian and uh just a foundation of hope for all of us uh that uh the death cannot defeat us and uh so so excited about uh celebrating easter and uh excited about our guest today pastor Derek Shields we're going to talk about all kinds of things uh he uh recently was featured in a, a national magazine guidepost talking about um diversity he has a multiracial church in Columbus Georgia and uh, he talks about racial divide reconciliation inside and outside the church and and the, the, the three words that can be so divisive, Black Lives Matter. Uh, we also talk about Easter, what it, what it really means. Uh, we talk about you know, his uh, fitness routines and being a vegan, and also some, uh, some pretty cool stuff about his um, two decades in the Army, the lessons he learned as an Army drill sergeant and an airborne instructor, and that transition from the military to the call and ministry. So looking forward to talking to a uh, Pastor Derek Shields, and for you to to hear that conversation. And if you'd like to hear any of the previous guests on uh, the previous 50-plus episodes of Run the Race, you can go to WTVM.com slash podcast. And you can also um, you know go to uh, you know Spotify, uh, Google Play, Stitcher, Apple. If you go to the bottom of the Apple page, we would love for you to help us out. Write a quick five-star review. Give us a couple sentences telling us what you like or don't like about the podcast. You know, we, uh, we're, we're fair in these parts. Uh, we are, uh, we, we'd like to hear the, the truth from you, uh, indeed. And a lot of you uh, may uh, have recently enjoyed or maybe enjoy now a spring break, a vacation with your family, maybe a staycation at home or or going out with your kids somewhere. Uh, I, I just recently got back from a trip with my 16-year-old son. We went to the uh, Great Smoky Mountains in uh, Tennessee, Pigeon Forge, and did some touristy stuff uh, like mini golf and, and roller coasters and barbecue and a, a pirate show. Um, and, of course, you know, went to Dollywood. But uh, one thing uh, that, I, that I enjoyed the most of the trip and that he agreed to do was a hike. We went up to Alum Cave uh, in the Great Smoky Mountains. Uh, this is near Pigeon Forge in Gatlinburg, Tennessee. And it was about a round trip, almost six miles. And so we did about a thousand uh, feet of elevation gain going up. Uh, some saw some really cool scenery, but it was just fun just to hike with him. And we went at a pretty good pace. And uh, just, you know, it's it's great exercise, but bonding as well. We're not talking the whole time, but, uh, you know, uh, getting uh, people outside, getting you active. Uh, you know, and, and seeing some great scenery in areas that you, where you don't live. So I, I highly recommend uh, going hiking with your family, with your spouse, uh, with your friends, with your coworkers. Um, it's it's a great way to uh, get get the heart rate going. And, uh, and and you know, and as we talk about Easter, I looked this up. You know, Jesus during his his final his three years of public ministry. He actually averaged walking about 20 miles per day, so thousands of miles over those three years. So 20 miles a day, that takes a long time. If you just walked a normal pace, uh, 20 miles would take you uh, probably about uh, 400 minutes, uh, so about seven hours, and that's just constantly walking. So, uh, you know, it's amazing. Jesus uh, showed us the way in that, in fitness as well, not just in faith and in serving and worshiping uh, his Father. Uh, so, uh, But I'm so excited about Easter and celebrating Jesus, as we should all year, and so is uh, my guest for today, Pastor Derek Shields, who is the lead pastor, has been for several years at Christ Community 
Church in the Columbus, Georgia area, just south of Atlanta here. He was ordained as an elder in the Free Methodist Church in 2015 uh, before taking over that role uh, as lead pastor. And this all came after uh, you know a 20-year uh, Army career and then about a decade as a realtor. So uh, he's definitely lived a diverse life. He's a, a husband, a father, and also has a grandson, Jaden. And uh, so he, in the Army, he was a drill sergeant. He was an airborne instructor. So he's he's had a lot of hats, a lot of jobs in his life. And uh, he says that uh, you know he's blessed to have a diverse group of people that are striving to live for change. He has a, a multiracial congregation by design. We talk about that and a lot more in our uh, really great conversation. Well, I'd like to welcome uh, Pastor Derek Shields uh, to the podcast. Thank you so much for uh, swinging by today. Well, hey, Jason, thank you for having me. It's such a pleasure to be here. I've been a fan of yours from a distance for quite some time, <laughs> so to be here in person with you is a treat. Well, thank you so much. I'm, I'm a fan of yours as well and what you're doing, uh, work in the ministry, and, and I wanted to kind of jump in right into it and talk about that a little bit because uh, you're the lead pastor at Christ Community Church here in Columbus, Georgia, and um, you know, you hear a lot that on you know, that Sundays sometimes are considered the most segregated day, and that churches, there's, there's white churches, there's black churches, there's Hispanic churches. Um, yours is um, more multiracial, more diverse by design. So tell me about why you think that's important to you and maybe for others to see as well. Well, um, yeah, thank you for acknowledging that, that, the fact that we are diverse. And, and yes, it's so true that Sunday morning, as Dr. Martin Luther King said over 50 years ago, it's the most segregated time in America. And unfortunately, it still remains to be pretty true today. And we're fortunate in Christ's community that we have diversity. And the reason it came about is our predecessor, Keith Coward, and those who were with him when he started this church really had that vision for Christ's community to be diverse. And they prayed toward that end. And um, they worked toward that end. And so it was intentional that we are a diverse congregation. I think it's important in today's society for um, churches to be that in order to affect or influence or impact society which so needs lessons on how to come together. So that's why I think it's important. And I think, you know, I read that uh, your church is even located or originally was on railroad tracks that used to separate the white and the black neighborhoods in this area, right? That's correct. Um, not only railroad tracks, but um, it wasn't, you know, about 10, 12 years ago, we were located right here um, on Macon Road, just down the road, across from the public library, where for a long time in Columbus, that was considered the dividing line. The railroad tracks as well, where we currently are, but previously on Macon Road. Um, and that was intentional, because we wanted to be in a part of town that bordered that barrier that seemed to be between people. Yeah, oftentimes the north side of town versus the south side of town. Correct. Um, and uh, I, you know, uh, you uh, recently wrote an article or um, you kind of an editorial for uh, Guidepost magazine, which goes out nationally. Yes. And uh, it's been around for many years. Um, you talked about that diversity. And specifically, you talked about the three words that, you know, seem, you know, have been, you know, in the headlines for, for a few years now, Black Lives Matter. So tell me about that. Um, I know it's something that is a, is, can be a controversial topic, uh, but um, what, what do those three words mean to you? And, and is it something that you have, as a church, have talked about and yeah. been open about? Um, yes. Um, Black Lives Matter, that article starts out with those three words. And what I tried to explain or tried to, to talk about or write about in that article is just how controversial those three words are and have been um, in, in, in our society, especially this past summer. It seems like, um, like never before. Those three words just created a, a firestorm of emotions, if you will. For me personally, Black Lives Matter uh, means that in America history, that black lives do matter. That in the historical context, there were so many years in which there were things and, and positions that were created and acted upon that black lives did not matter. And now here we are in 2021, in this season that we're in, and for me personally, it's just a proclamation 
that black lives matter and we should act accordingly. Now, unfortunately, um, the pushback I get a lot of is that there is, uh, there is another meaning to that word, word, or that phrase rather, that's been associated with a national organization that has some values that for the church are not conducive to what we believe as a church. And I try to make it very clear. I have no association with that organization. I don't, I'm not, I'm not downing them. They do what they feel is right, but that I have no connections with that organization at all. Um, and I, I, I would just want people to know that. Um, but it takes more than just hearing the words and reacting in order to know that. And, uh, you know, and I'm sure, you know, as a church, especially being multiracial, you know, white members, black members, um, and, 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 you know, not, you know, a, a large amount of both. Um, was there kind of discussion or, or disagreement about like those words and about this uh, racial tension that's been yeah. boiling up for the last year? Um, yes, we, it, it has been a challenging time for us as a church, even though we're a diverse church, we still have people with real feelings and, and, and hard, um, hard beliefs about certain things. So I would hope to look at it as an opportunity to have a discussion because um, those words do um, kind of polarize people. Uh, if, they, if they're thinking only from the context that they know it to be, then they're not hearing what the other, other person may be thinking or, or uh, resisting, that it is an opportunity for people to come together and have a conversation. Unfortunately, that doesn't happen all the time. So it has created some tension, um, not just because um, the article that, that I wrote that the words were there or me mentioning it in a sermon, but it's, it's a bigger problem. It's just what happens in our society right now, what has happened and what continues to happen in our society just, just puts people at odds. And I want to talk to you a little bit more during our, our chat today about um, what Christians and non-Christians can do to help heal some of those wounds that have yeah. been over time. And we want, want to talk about Easter because that's yeah. coming up very soon and yeah. is uh, probably the, the most um, celebrated or most att uh, church attended a day of the year. The Super um, Bowl of church world, <laughs> Easter Sunday. Yeah. Yes, yes. <laughs> so we're going to talk about that today and, and talk about, um, you know, your, um, you know, kind of, Kind of any kind of fitness regimen, and you're a vegan lifestyle as well. So I want to talk to you about that because I I I, lo I love eating meat. So we're, we're, we're going to talk about that, and then also yeah. your lessons learned as an army drill sergeant. But I do something on the podcast as I kind of prepared you for a fast yeah. four kind of yeah. rapid fire questions to get to know Pastor Derek Shields. Okay. Uh, the first one is what is your current job description at work and also at home? Okay. Well, at work, my job description as a lead pastor of Christ Community Church is I lead our congregation in fulfilling our mission of awakening ordinary people to extraordinary life in Christ-centered community. Um, that's my role at Christ Community. Now, of course, that comes with a lot of different duties. You know, I proclaim the word, I lead people, uh, staff. But bottom line, we all are after awakening ordinary people to extraordinary life in Christ-centered community. So that's my role at work. At, at home, my role is a father, uh, a, a husband, you know, a grandfather. And in a way, I'm doing the same thing is I'm leading those people that are close to me that I love to be awakened to this extraordinary life. Um, it, there's, a, there's, a, there's a connection between the two. And if I can't do it at home, if I don't do it at home, you know, I, I, I'm not going to be very successful at work. Right. So I look at both of There's a parallel between the two. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Right? I, amen. <laughs> you, you do the scriptures and I do the talking. How <laughs> there we go. We'll go back and forth. We'll do the role reversal here. Um, so uh, the next one is, um, how do you, do you have something you do on a regular basis? Could be weekly, whatever, um, in terms of trying to stay physically fit. Because um, yeah. I know, you know, being in the army, you, you have that every morning kind of yeah. getting up and doing that PT, but it's different now maybe. Yeah. Well, you, as you said, you, you prepared me for this, and I've been dreading this question because <laughs> oh, I have no. to be honest and confess. Sure, sure. I am not doing a good job of it right now. Um, this past year has gotten me in this, this, I've just abandoned all of my good habits that I had as far as physical fitness. But let me tell you what I'm getting back to and what worked for me pre-COVID. Actually, it was pre-me breaking my foot. Oh. I, I broke my foot, and ever since, I've been uh, hesitant to get back in the routine. But... 
being out of the Army for 26 years, one thing I've learned is I cannot do what I used to do on a daily basis there. My body just won't allow me to do that. But what does work for me is if I have 20 to 30 minutes every day of elevate, elevating my heart rate and consistently every day and 20 consecutive minutes, minutes not, not warming up. You know, warming up is that supportion, cooling down supportion, but hitting a stride where I have 20 minutes where my heart rate is elevated and I'm moving my body vigorously, that has proven to keep me physically fit. And some resistance training added to that. That's the key. That's the key. But like I said, I'm not doing very well with it right now, Jason. So I hope saying this on your podcast uh, will help me get back to where I know I was going to find some some good things to happen for my body. This is confession time for the pastor. That's, that's <laughs> it. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, and... Um, do you have a particular, like, you know, a spiritual motto or favorite verse, something for you that, um, you know, that you try to live by? Yeah, yeah, um, I do. Um, in the Gospel of John, John um, 3.30, as a matter of fact, there's this little por- portion of Scripture that, that uh, John the Baptist actually says, he must increase, but I must decrease. Um, that's something that, that I come back to all the time because I believe that, Having faith, and not only having faith, but living as Jesus did is the key. And in order for me to do that, then the things that I want to do, they must decrease so that I make room for him to increase. So that's, that's a, a verse that really kind of is like my North Star, if you will. There are other verses that mean a lot to me as well, but that one in particular is, 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 has a strong, strong um, meaning for me. And then um, sayings, uh, right now in our church, we have this saying of live sent, live sent. That's our theme for this year. Um, You know, live, first of all, live, you know, Mm -hmm. I mean, right now coming out of COVID, that's something all into itself. Live, stop just stagnating and, and, and not doing anything, live, but live sent, live like somebody has sent you on a mission, like you have a purpose. So that that's that's a phrase that's really, really uh, resonates with me right now. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you, everything's the mission field. That's right. Yeah. Um, and the last one is, um, what is something unique about Pastor Derek Shields? Yeah. Well, I'm gonna go back years and years ago. Uh, two things. One, I, you alluded to it earlier. I was a drill sergeant at one time, and it's fascinating to me that the people I run across people and they get to know me and we get to talking about stories, and they're just like, "You were a drill sergeant," you know. I don't know, somehow they just don't see me now being able to do that kind of a job. And the second thing is that I used to jump out of planes, perfectly good planes. Um, I just jump out them for a living when I was an airborne instructor. So those two unique things. Why would you do something like that? Um, (laughs) Because that was my job. (laughs) And and, um, I really really enjoyed it. I really enjoyed the the challenge of, of doing it and teaching it to others. I, I was an instructor at the airborne department where I taught, taught others how to jump out of a perfectly good airplane. Yeah, so yeah. Maybe, maybe people are surprised um, that you are a drill surgeon because you seem mild-mannered. So were you were you different, you know, uh, a lot different 30 years ago? Were you yelling and maybe even yeah. cursing at the, at the soldiers like you kind of, the perceptions of the, drill sergeants? Are. That's the perception of a drill sergeant. And if I could jump ahead, I know you want to sure, ask sure. me about something I learned in my in being a drill sergeant. Yeah. I, I can say that emulating or, or copying what I'd known drill sergeants to be, yeah, I probably was over the top with that. Until one day, when a first sergeant of mine, we were, we were feeding the soldiers, and I was all in some soldier's face. And, you know, he let me do what I was doing, and then he said, called me over to the side. And he said these words to me that changed, literally changed my leadership style. He said, you don't have to talk to them that way to get them to do what you want them to do. Hmm. And I don't know what it was. But in that moment, it seemed like I just, it, it just, I just changed my, my whole leadership strategy as far as being a drill sergeant. And I re- began to realize I didn't need to behave like that in order to get someone to do, do something that I wanted them to do, especially if I knew it was going to be for their benefit. Well, that's, uh, it's, it's good. I mean, it's a, it's a good lesson to be learned because, yeah. like you said, I mean, you, if you, kind of emulated what, what you thought it was supposed to be. It would have been a yeah. different story. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, speaking of communication, 
um, you know, talking to your church, um, going back to kind of the, uh, the racial division that we, you know, have seen, unfortunately, just come to the forefront in our country today. Uh, and it continues to, to happen. Uh, but there, like you said, at least there's a conversation happening. Right. And hopefully it continues to happen in honesty. So how do you, you know, you have white members and black members of your church. Um, how do you guys, you know, talk about it and be open about it and, um, and, and have maybe those, you know, get those honest conversations out there? Yeah. Uh, what we have found that works better than anything else is to have those conversations in small groups. But the, the conversations, they need to be guided, if you will. So um, at the very beginning, there must be a, be a commitment to have the conversation and not allow emotions to make us leave the conversation. Um, one of the great, one of the best tools that we have found lately is um, Be the Bridge. There's a, there's a curriculum out there called Be the Bridge that really takes us through a bridge to truth, bridge to justice, bridge to reconciliation. There's eight components to it. And if you can... I have found that if you can get people to sit down for a period of time and work through these, that you'll come out with a better understanding of each other, a better appreciation of each other, and love of, for each other, that will, will really bridge the racial divide. I mean, it really would. It really will. But the key is to have those small group conversations. So in a church... You know, we can talk about it from the pulpit. We can talk about it on Sunday morning, and we do. If there's tough issues that comes up, we don't shy away from them. We, we talk about them, and we address them, and we pray about them as a congregation. But we also look for opportunities, every opportunity we can, to get people in small groups having conversations. And usually a book or some type of study are great vehicles, because a lot of times emotions are high. And if you don't give people some way to get to talk back and forth, the emotions will take over. Um, so that's what we have found that works. And some seasons we do it better than in other seasons. But um, that's, that's, that's what we found. And, you know, uh, folks that are listening, maybe may a diverse, uh, you know, uh, listeners to this podcast. Um, what would you what would be your message to, you know, whether it be believers, non-believers about what what can I do to help? you know, heal some of the, the strife that's going on, whether I'm white, black, or whatever. Yeah. I, I think um, I, I, to, keep it, to keep it simple, something everybody can do, uh, I say this, you know, um, diversify your kitchen table. Mm -hmm. Invite people or go over to people that don't look like you on a regular basis. Get to know them. Uh, have conversation with them. Don't wait for the the big stage, the debates on television, the, the, the big meetings. Do it with your neighbor. You know, we here in Columbus, Georgia, I think we have diversity all over the city. So there's ample opportunity. You know, make your kitchen table a place where you have a conversation. Look at, look at, your, look at your friends you have on Facebook. If, it's not, if you don't have diversity there, I, I don't think we're going to make much progress. So I, it might be simplistic, but I, I think it, it would really, it really uh, move us down the, down the field a long way. Yeah, and getting out of your comfort zone, for sure. That's right. Absolutely. That's right. And, you uh, may find out that you like them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> for sure. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and you were talking about the big stage, uh, and earlier we, you know, we called it the, the Super Bowl yeah. uh, for churches. Is yeah. uh, Easter coming up. And by the time this podcast comes out, it'll be just a few days away. Yeah. So tell me about, um, for you, I mean, Easter, uh, you know, we, we talk about the, the, um, the crucifixion of Jesus, yeah. the resurrection, yeah. um, three days later. Um, and that's kind of what the, the symbol of Easter is. But for, for you, what do you hope Easter means to people that, that go to church, people that don't go to church? Because it, it might be the only time someone goes to church the entire year. Well, you use the word hope. You know, our faith is, is, is rooted in this, in this miraculous story of a man who was good and did good, being crucified, buried, but yet rose again. That's, and and that's, that's, that's the crux of our faith. And it brings us hope. I think what Easter means to 
Christians is that there is hope. There is hope that no matter what has happened, no matter what we went through, there is hope that there's a better future. And for non-believers, I think the same thing. Why is it that Easter is, you know, that's what your high church attendance is. Why is it on that day it's not so hard to get someone to agree to go? I believe it's because that's, what, that's the need for all people. You know, whether we know it or not, we want hope in life. We need hope. We need to know that there's a better tomorrow, that there's something on the other end of all this we've been going through. And whether we realize it or not, we're drawn to this day in which we celebrate, and we recognize what happened on that day. Um, and I, I hope, I pray that as people go to churches this Sunday, this Easter Sunday, that they will hear a message that will stir them to say, you know what, I think I want to try that out. And, uh, you know, uh, Easter in 2020 was kind of at the beginning of the pandemic. That was when we were just kind of learning about this coronavirus, COVID-19. That's right. And, That's right. and now, you know, a year later, we're, we're still dealing with it. Yeah. And um, so you hope people are still able to attend church. I mean, some churches are, are virtual or, yeah. or in person and, and um, so for you, I mean, do you look at that, this Easter as, man, this is different than any other Easter we've, we've had before because of the pandemic that still is lingering out yeah. there? Um, you know, last Easter, I actually did a service from, um, it was just me and, and, and our communications director because our daughter had COVID. And it, it was in, you know, it was early in, in that season and we didn't know what to do. All I knew, we couldn't go and gather at the church. We weren't having a full gathering, but we had people at the church and we didn't even want to do that. So it was just, it was just the two of us and it was outside. This year, uh, we are blessed to be able to have services in person. But what we found though, though, is that this has been different. You know, this season's been like none other, but no matter if it's in person or if it's live stream, we can still give the same message. And people are going to be tuning in because they may not feel safe coming back or the church may not have come back yet. People, some people will be in person at their churches. But no matter which way it is, it's that still message of hope that will be proclaimed. And I think what we've learned over this year is that doing it online, doing it through live stream, is more effective than I think we ever thought it was. You can reach people, I mean, wherever. I mean, right? That's right. I mean, That's right. To the outer parts, literally. Absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> so that's one of the, the good lessons we've learned out of, out of this season is that there is another means of communications that I don't think we took advantage of or, or maximized pre-COVID that is here for us now. And uh, it's not going to go away. You know? Technology can definitely be used for, for good and for evil. That's for right. Sure. I mean, <laughs> look at what we're doing right now. There you go. <laughs> For good, hopefully. Yeah, yeah, for sure. yeah absolutely. Um, and Easter often, in, in, at least in the past, and hopefully in, in, in safe ways this year, also means kind of family gatherings, um, you know, uh, lots of food, big feasts after church, and, and kind of the, the family dinner, uh, at, at the, how many other people you feel like comfortable being around. Um, but for you, um, I read that you are uh, a vegan, yeah. Not sure. So vegan lifestyle. I'm not sure if you're still confession time again, right? So are you? Do you still live that lifestyle? And what what kind of prompted yeah. you to, to do that? Well, it was um, back in 2012. Okay. 2012, I I um, was heavier than I am now, and started having some uh, blood pressure issues and and some heart issues and and um, it was after we had done a extended period of fasting at our church that a friend of mine invited me to come to. Uh, Country Life, which is right around the corner from sure, me. Sure, yeah. It's like, and, a, like a vegetable buffet. Uh, yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's actually a vegan restaurant. It's a vegan restaurant. And I heard this presentation about the vegan lifestyle. I never heard it before then. D didn't know, had, did not have a clue. But I listened to that presentation that day, and I don't know, it just made sense. Um, and I started. I, I don't eat meat. I stay away from uh, dairy and processed foods. I'm not legalistic about it, like if we sat down to lunch, you know, it wouldn't bother me a bit if you had a good steak, medium rare, it wouldn't bother me a bit. Um, I just choose not to. And if you were interested, I'd talk to you about it, but that's just what I think is, is good for me. 
So I've maintained that over the years. As a matter of fact, my lack, despite my lack of exercise, I think that has helped me keep reasonably fit, even though I'm not exercising like I, like I uh, once did. So um, that's, that's why, you know, how I got into it and why I still do it. Um, it works for me. It works for me. And uh, my blood pressure, I do take some medication, but it's been under control. Um, my weight is not as, you know, I'm not as big as I once was. I still want to trim up some. But um, so that, that's why that's, it, it works for me. And so I do you miss of, steak, burgers, uh, um, any of these things, uh, cheese, milk? I, no, I do not. I, okay. I don't. I, I don't. Uh, as a matter of fact, it's, it's funny. I come, I'm from Mississippi. Um, my, my parents and my, all of my extended family, they love cooking out. Mm-hmm. You know, and I'll go and I'll barbecue for them. And, um, um, and I, but I don't have a desire to eat it. You know, I, I still remember how to do it and make it taste good. <laughs> and I, I would do that. But I literally, I don't have a desire. Do you feel like it for you? It's kind of a, a kind of cleansed you out and kind of gave you, I mean, a le- more energy or less energy. It, 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 yeah. There was a there was a cleansing cleansing effect when I first started. Absolutely, um, and I, I just don't be as um, um, sluggish. Um, that's that's what happens for me. Not as sluggish, and it's been it's been a while now, so I don't, you know, I don't I don't know what it would be like to to eat meat or or do all all those things that I, I've kind of resisted now, but it 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 does. I I don't have, um, you know. I don't have a lack of energy, you know. I feel like I'm, and and my focus is even better when I'm, I think since I've started this, so, yeah. And in the podcast, we we talk about issues of faith and fitness and. And oftentimes we hear about how it says in the Bible, your body is a temple. Yeah. For you, I mean, what, what does that mean to you? And Because, and, and, you know, we, we, you talked about how you want to get back into the kind of the heart rate training right. and, and kind of you're eating well. So um, for you, what, is, what does that mean to you? Because, um, you know, maybe it's part of, uh, as a witness, as a Christian. Yeah. Well, you know, there's a saying that we are what we eat. Yeah. You know, which is, which is just so true. <laughs> There's also a scripture that says clearly that, that uh, asks the question, do you not know that your bodies are the temples of the Holy Spirit? And so for me personally, my body, you know, I believe, most Christians do that, God actually resides in me. Therefore, if that precious gift is in me, I need to take care of what contains it. If I don't take care of what contains it, then I'm not able to access what's inside of me, you know. And and so that's that's my personal conviction. Um, I, I think it's so crucial to take care of our body, not only for that reason, but um, just for quality of life. Um, you know, we're going to get older. This body is going to it's decaying. It's going to be gone. You know, it's going to break down. But why rush it? <laughs> it's the vehicle, right? You know, it's the vehicle that we've been given. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think there's a direct correlation between the Old Testament when um, God's presence dwelled in the temple, and after Easter, when Jesus Christ gave us the gift, or God gave us the gift of the Holy Spirit, and now we become the temple. So it's like we feel His presence when our temple is, is working at His at its best um, capacity. Um, so I think, I think I'm kind of hoping Jesus and the Holy Spirit likes pizza and ice cream. <laughs> so, but I do run a lot so that I, so I'm able to kind of enjoy yeah. food, you know, kind of, but it, it's kind of, uh, I look at it as a way to kind of fill back up, I guess. Correct. Correct. <laughs> I mean, and, and that's it. I think everyone finds their, their stride, their place, their rhythm to take care of the temple, whether it be by running that. When I say that I, I've been admiring you from afar for a while, <laughs> I, I, you know, because that, that hadn't been that long ago since you started this journey, if I'm about not mistaken. seven years ago, I, well, but, but I'd really kind of done the marathon starting about four years ago. Okay, and I, I've been watching that, you know, and I, and I was like, man, that's the way to go. And, and you can see it in your appearance, you know. So I think everyone needs to find that rhythm. My journey is maybe not yours. Yours is not mine, but there's a journey for each one of us to take care of this temple.
Absolutely, yeah. Well said, well said. And and uh, I know that you maybe uh, looked different when you were in the Army. We talked yeah. about earlier about how you were, you kind of, I think you, you I read that you kind of just joined, you were going to do four years, and you ended up yeah. doing two decades, and yeah. got your wife a, a, a soldier as well. And yeah. so um, for you, kind of looking back on that career of the Army, 20 years, I mean, you know, um, almost, uh, you know, a third or a half your life so far, um, what is it, you know, um, was, do you look back on fondness? I mean, did you learn a lot as, as a young man and, and yeah. kind of uh, they, they, the Army molded you? Absolutely. Um, you know, as I'm sitting here talking to you, it's, it's starting to come to me that even though I didn't rise to the ranks that many that I aspired to when I first went in, you know, I retired as a staff sergeant. Um, I was a good soldier, did, did my job, but my personal behavior wasn't what it needed to be in order to excel in the military. But I retired. But as I look back on it, uh, the things that we did as soldiers prepared me to do what I'm doing today. Because, you know, our, our mission there at every level was to accomplish the mission, influence others to accomplish the mission, while at the same, same time taking care of them. So, um, that's what, that's what as a, as a non-commissioned officer, that's what, that was what I was charged to do. Mission was first. Whatever that mission was, we needed to accomplish that mission, but you had to take care of your soldiers because if you didn't take care of your soldiers, you couldn't accomplish the mission. And so that was a great lesson for me and living that every day instilled disciplines in me that still I, I operate in now. Uh, you mentioned that after the military, I had a, t I had a season there over 10 years um, as a real estate agent. Mm -hmm. Same thing. It's all about people. It's all about people. In, in real estate, I was helping people accomplish their mission, home ownership, while at the same time taking care of them because I didn't want them to get over the head. I didn't want them to get, um, get a, a problem, to buy a problem. So it's the same kind of concept. So those are the things that, that, that for 20 years was instilled in me in the military that stays with me today. And, um, and then the diversity piece. You know, we all know the military is one of the most diverse organizations that you could ever. I mean, I was from Mississippi, uh, segregated town. Um, you know, we had black life. We had a white life. Um, very rarely did the two come together. But I go into the military and it's a, you know, it's a tapestry of all sorts of cultures. And it still stays with me today. That's why my passion for the church to be diverse is so great. Because I experienced, I got a taste of it in the military. Yeah. Not that it was perfect, but it was sure different than what I grew up with. And you talk about people. Did, did the soldiers, did they like your uh, leadership style as a drill sergeant? Or, or maybe, were, were you uh, friends with them or you were, you were their, you were their not, superior? Not, not as a drill sergeant, no. Um, there's, there's no room for that in that kind of environment. I mean, <laughs> you're really right. taking 17-year-olds and, and molding them in, 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 the, in the basic training to, to stop bad habits. and. Sure and start doing a healthy lifestyle. See, all there's threads through all of this. You know, adopt healthy lifestyles, get physically fit. So um, very few liked me, if you would. <laughs> but, you um, motivated them. Okay. Motivated them. Motivated them to, to change their ways. Now, as an as a infantry soldier, non-commissioned officer, I have some great relationships with soldiers that were under my, under my command uh, that I led. Um, some to this very day, they still call me Sergeant Shields. I'd be like, hey, I'm, I'm not Sergeant Shields anymore, but that's the impression those, those years can leave on a person, you know. Um, it's just it's lifelong impressions, lifelong friendships. So even though in the military there is definitely a, a leader and a follower all throughout at every level, there are still some relationships that, that carry over for the rest of your life. And, and just like you maybe weren't expecting those two decades in the Army, maybe, you know, it also came unexpectedly, this, this call to the ministry, you know, um, maybe as a realtor. Yeah. So, so was that something that, like, you thought of as a, as a young boy, like, you know, uh, giving your life to Christ that, like, hey, I'm going to be a pastor one day, or was this just yeah. out of the blue? Um, other people saw it in me before, way before I saw it in myself. As I said earlier, you know, my personal life didn't quite line up with the things that you need to do to excel in the military. So therefore, it's no brainer. They weren't, you know, lined up with Christian values either. But I was raised in that. 
as a young, a young boy, um, in, in you know elementary, middle, high school, people saw it in me. I when you when you're rebellious, you can't see it in yourself. And so after retiring from the military, getting into real estate, um, I even had people you know hint toward me still. But I have to be I have to be honest. I resisted that. I, I just didn't think that was for me. I didn't think that I was cut out for it. Running from it, perhaps. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's just to make <laughs> or, it plain. Or maybe you just didn't understand, didn't didn't, didn't understand it, didn't understand it. Trying to pursue other things, yeah. you know. Um, um, in real estate, it was to be the real estate mogul. In in army, until I sabotaged myself, it was to be, you know, at the highest ranks. That was my pursuit. That's what I thought was going to bring me value. But it took a, a, a real crisis moment in my life for me to change my ways. And then I began to sense there's something else. And over a, probably a five, six year period of time, it just grew stronger and stronger. So for you, what was that fork in the road? What was that, what changed you where you kind of took the different path? Yeah, well, if you keep rebellion, rebelling, rebelling um, I believe that you know, God will allow you to go down that path as long as you want to. But that path does not lead to life. And uh, without getting into details, I just had a, had a great crisis that I, this wasn't working. And I just, I, just, I just cried out, you know, God, this is not working. I need you to help me do something different. And... Um, and that happened. And, you know, it wasn't a magical hear a voice, but it was a surrendering of my will. And I think that's, that's what it is. A surrendering of my will, wanting to go my way to just get to a point to where I was sense that there was a different direction that was for me. And so I started out as a volunteer at Christ Community Church. And a really interesting story that... that um, you know, I didn't have any military, um, ministry experience, but Keith Coward, who we mentioned earlier. Um, he was kind the of, previous pastor. He was, he was the pastor, and he just kind of mentored me and coached me and challenged me. And in 2018, to my surprise, I was asked to be the next lead pastor of Christ Community Church. And you were ordained... Um, I think I read in your bio, you were ordained back in 2015 uh, with the, um, as an elder in the Free Methodist Church. So for you, I mean, you know, wow, what a journey uh, yeah. from the military. I mean, did you, did, well, and we talked about it a little bit earlier, but the, the things that you learned as a, you know, airborne, yeah. drill sergeant, right. uh, infantry, you know, um, that were those, that were the, some of those things, did you, were you able to carry over to being a lead pastor at a church? Absolutely. Uh, absolutely. Um, um, that's where, that's where I believe it's so true that um, all things will be used uh, for those who love the Lord and call it all things. Because all of those, all those experiences, all those lessons, you know, I pull upon today, whether it's consciously or subconsciously. Even the airborne experience, you know, facing um, difficult challenges, you know. In the face of, of, of huge obstacles, being able to overcome it, because um, 2020 has, has, has brought a couple of those, you know. Yeah. And, and just to have the intestinal fortitude to work through those fears that you have um, to get on the other side. So, yeah, it, it, they definitely have, have helped me in what, I, what I'm doing today. I, I taught in the NCO Academy, you know. So there I was developing a communication skill to be able to do what I do today on a regular basis, and that's communicate to a group of people. You know, the, the same principles, or the principles, I should say, that I learned to be an instructor helps me prepare and deliver sermons today. You know, um, it, it's just, I've, I've had the experience, and, you know, I've gone to seminary, but I, to be honest, you know, seminary can teach you only so much in a, in a short period of time. 20 years in the military and you're doing this on a regular basis, you start developing an instinct, a way of life to do that. And so. I'm sure uh, you uh, have 
plenty of army stories you could share and weave into sermons as well, right? Oh, yeah, absolutely, <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. And, and they do come up from time to time. Yeah. As an um, instructor in the military, we had this saying. Um, back when I was in the Airborne Department, as a matter of fact, because it was a little bit rougher there. You know, those guys, they said, if your stuff is strong, they'll hold on. If your stuff is weak, they'll go to sleep. So I, I look, I watch. Oh. And and if they start to get you know restless, I know I need to bring this thing. You know, I try to time it where, but you know, most of you know, people are there. Yeah. Well, I'm definitely uh, looking forward to Easter, and I'm sure you are as well. And and uh, it's going to be a like you said, the Super Bowl for churches, and, yeah. and uh, it's going to be a, a big day. And I think maybe it could be a turning point, uh, at least or soon thereafter, for the pandemic as well. We're hoping. I I think that's very well the case with the. Vaccinations um, starting to be, um, you know, everyone being able to get access to it. I think we're going to see a turn. Um, it's a resurrection. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you don't mind, uh, Pastor Derek, uh, if you can uh, close us out in prayer, that'd be great. Absolutely. Well, thank you, Jason, for this time. Thank you for listening, all the audience for listening to us. And I just want to pray specifically, Father, during this season that we're in, I pray that something in my story may have connected with someone. Um, something in our conversation may have spurred someone on to, to realize that they don't need to lose hope, that there still is hope. That there is hope for them to change ways that they may have to, to, to come into a season that is different than they have experienced before. And no matter how bad it is, no matter what we've done, that there is a way forward. I believe it is through Jesus Christ. So, Father, I just pray that that message will go forth and that people will be inspired by it and that we all will see a resurrection in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, and so now the podcast is for everyone to listen to, so we heard your confession. So I'm going to check back in with you uh, maybe Please. a few months down the road and see how that uh how the heart rate uh, yeah. workouts and stuff. Please do going. so. Please do so. I, I look forward to it. I yes. look forward to it. All right. Thanks All right. so much, Pastor Derek. All right. It. All right. Thank you. It was uh, great getting to know uh, Pastor Derek Shields, and uh, who really doesn't pull any punches. I mean, he is uh, can s seem a little mild mannered at times, but you know, he was a drill sergeant, and uh, he definitely does not shy away from talking about controversies. In fact, you know, the beginning of that article that we talked about in Guideposts, which came out a few months ago in late January, it, it starts with this: three simple words that have divided our nation: Black Lives Matter. And this is a kind of an editorial written by Shields. He also says, since the death of George Floyd last year and throughout the nationwide racial justice movement that followed, I have done my best to steer our congregation through a tumultuous time. For some members at Christ Community, the words Black Lives Matter are a rallying cry. Others hear a devaluing of other races. It can be a struggle to remain loving with people who disagree about fundamental issues. We think it's a struggle worth waging. God helps us persevere. But I, and I really like this part that it kind of he kind of closes out the guidepost uh, editorial with. He says, "Here's one thing I know: Jesus commands us to love God and others, and no wiggle room in the word others." So loving people, no matter if you like them or if you don't, if they look like you or don't, uh, if they uh, think like you and, and have the same political or religious beliefs, it's just a matter of loving others no matter what. So that's well said by uh, Pastor Derek Shields, an honor to, to be able to uh, talk to him about so many different issues. And uh, speaking of uh, um, racial diversity and Easter, uh, we have some great uh, final segments for you of the podcast here, Run the Race. Uh, of course, we have our parting gift, some inspiration that's related to the holiday that's coming up, and also uh, food for thought, uh, interesting article when it comes to uh, uh, fitness. I found this in Forbes magazine. The article is called uh, Fitness Has a Diversity Problem. Can Apps Democratize the Sector? So uh, this uh, um, author, Serenity Gibbons, she says, the next time you're at the gym, look around. How many people of color do you see? When she said she was the last time she hit the weights, she counted one. It was her. 
So uh, sometimes there's a lack of diversity. Sometimes at gyms, not pointing any fingers at anybody. But she says uh, maybe, you know, minority members can feel very welcome in those spaces, but a disproportionate number struggle to maybe afford it um, because it's private fitness memberships are considered a luxury, you know, 40 to 50 bucks per month. And that can definitely add up. And uh, you, you can say, you know, well, there's uh, parks and there's trails you can go to for free. Uh, but that, you know, you can only do running, walking, and biking there. And if it's winter and summer, it can be too cold, too, too hot where you live. So what if people want to do weight training? Well, there's, um, according to this article in Forbes, there's fitness apps that provide some access to specialty group exercises at a, at a better cost, um, like 15 bucks per month and up for Gixo, G-I-X-O. The founder there, she's a woman of color who argues that affordable access to group classes is, is really key in getting underserved people to get out there and exercise. And so, you know, convenience is so important. There's some places that have what's called fitness deserts, which don't have a lot of gyms out in certain rural areas or, or, or urban areas. And Gixo, it doesn't have you know support machines, but it does feature a lot of classes like body weight, strength training, cardio, and yoga. And these fitness apps, they tend to be more affordable than physical gyms, um, and they also allow the the people that are using them to advance at their own pace. Uh, you know, you're not feeling the pressure from other people maybe there at the gym. So Gixo, uh, they don't have a demographic breakdown of their users, but uh, definitely, you know, according to this article by Serenity Gibbons, she says it creates a, a, a critical, fills a critical gap for a variety of minority groups and definitely important to have as much diversity as possible, whether it be, you know, for workouts or, or anything else. And I, and I agree with the running community as well, could use some diversity, you know, here and everywhere else. Um, and uh, as for our parting gift, as we uh, just are a few days away from Easter, or maybe you're listening to this after Easter, important any time of the year to celebrate Jesus' um, you know, death on the cross and his rising again three days later. Uh, this parting gift is a quote from author Clarence W. Hall. He says, If Easter says anything to us today, it says this, You can put truth in a grave, but it won't stay there. So there you go. The truth is Jesus, and he was in a grave, and he didn't stay there. So death cannot defeat us. Um, and, you know, if, if you believe, as I believe, in Jesus Christ as our personal Lord and Savior, uh, you will go to heaven uh, and have everlasting, eternal life. And so death definitely does not defeat you there. Uh, thank you so much again for joining us for the Run the Race podcast. And again, to, thanks to Derek Shields for joining us. The pastor led us in a closing prayer. So I'll, uh, I, won't, I won't be doing it this time to close it out ourselves. Uh, but you can listen to Run the Race podcast on a, any of your popular podcast platforms. And definitely share it with your friends. Tell others uh, about it using hashtag Run the Race podcast. We have some great guests coming up. One of those being a, a former pro wrestler who now owns his own gym uh, in Georgia. Looking forward to talking to him about a variety of things. We're going to also, in the next few uh, weeks, talk about uh, a race recap for my latest marathon where I got a, a PR, my fastest marathon, by, by eight minutes this time. So I'm going to talk to you about how that went. And another big adventure, a, uh, um, a 24-hour uh, race or um, event that I have coming up. So we'll be talking about that in the next few weeks. Looking forward to that. So uh, until next time, I uh, hope you get out there and enjoy a great Easter and uh, go for a run. <laughs>